Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. I'd like for you to turn to Daniel chapter 4 as we continue on our series on the book of Daniel uh, titled Consecration, Living in the Days of Daniel. Uh, As I've said over and over again, these days are very similar to those days. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, and the truth of the matter is, is that the days that we are experiencing uh, in our country and in this world are very similar to the days of Babylon, days of great godlessness, um, days of, uh, of, of great evil, an unleashing of anger, gratuitous anger, just being unleashed all over, and uh, um, these are real crazy days, but how many know the book of Daniel teaches that God is sovereign, which means he's in control of all things at all times. How many would say amen? Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so we've been walking in the, this is, uh, this chapter is going to be focusing on, on King Nebuchadnezzar. The, in the book of Daniel, he spends four chapters where King Nebuchadnezzar is a key player um, in the book. And I want you to know that in, in Jeremiah chapter 25, God, when he predicted that, that Israel would go into captivity through the prophet Jeremiah for 70 years, he said, I'm going to send my servant, Nebuchadnezzar, who was not a follower of God. His God was Marduk. He was not a follower of God, but God said, I'm going to send my servant, Nebuchadnezzar, just emphasizing the fact that God is in charge of all things. He is always in control. Now, this magnificent story today, though, it not only talks about God's sovereignty, but it talks about the amazing love and faithfulness and mercy of God. This chapter, you know, even as I was reading it today, it was just blowing me away. The mercy of God, the love of God, the faithfulness of God is so powerful. God is, is, is he's in, in control of every, you realize God can do whatever he wants to do. And I'm going to know he can judge us and crush us. But the Bible says that judgment is his strange act. How many know love and mercy? The Bible says he delights to show us mercy. How many are thankful for the mercy of God today? Amen. Hallelujah. So we're going to look at, at, at the amazing love of God. You know, part of God's sovereignty is, is his love. And then we're going to see the role that consecrated people play in God pouring out his mercy and his love on the earth. We have a role to play. Amen? Amen. So now, um, I've made peace with the book of Daniel in the sense that the chapters are really long. I'm not used to reading such long chapters, but the Lord wrote it, and he's smarter than me, so I'm just going to read you what he wrote. So, So I want you to stick with me, but pay a lot of attention because this is all very important. Daniel Chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Let's read it. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar, this is, King Nebuchadnezzar, by the way, is testifying. This is his testimony. Okay? It says, King Nebuchadnezzar, 
to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth. May you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. This is King Nebuchadnezzar talking. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. I was as I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, everyone say finally. finally. Very important. Finally, remember, dark times and dark days are powerful in the hands of God because when things get really tough for people, the counterfeit shows itself. What doesn't work shows itself, all right? And so they couldn't do it. But finally, the consecrated one shows up. It says, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the, magic of the uh, magicians, um, I know that the spirit, listen to this, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here's my dream, interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong and its top uh, touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived uh, in its branches. From, its every, from it, every creature was fed. In the vision I saw while lying in bed, I looked, and there before me was a holy one a messenger, most translations, or the literal translation of this word messenger is watcher. It's almost like a special type of, of a supernatural being. It says, a messenger or a watcher coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals uh, flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots uh, be bound with iron and bronze. Remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. This decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know, here's a verse on the sovereignty of God, may know uh, uh, that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets them uh, uh, over the lowliest of people. 
This is the dream I had, King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, this is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty, your majesty and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord the King. Now let me just stop here. Look at me for just one second. I want you to notice, I want you to notice that Daniel has been positioned to speak the truth to a king. Okay? He has been positioned to speak the truth to a king. Okay? In a moment when we talk about, about the, the title and the topic of this it's about in the sovereignty of God when we separate ourselves to the plan and purposes of God. God positions us to proclaim the truth. This is what you see happening here, okay? God gave him the courage to say what it is. Uh, it says, you will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like an ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let me just say this to you. Okay, this is called, this is uh, categorized um, as a psychological disorder called boanthropy. Okay, it means that sometimes people get a, a kind of malady of their mind, some kind of sickness where they think that they're an animal. And this is literally uh, um, a disorder and they eat grass. They think they're a bovine of some kind of ox or uh, or a cow, this is not just made up. You can go to the psychological dictionary and find this condition there. And he said, you're going to have boanthropy. Uh, um, bo yeah, right there. So, okay, let's keep going. It says, seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Wow. Therefore, your majesty, uh, a little more, guys. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right. 
your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Little more. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my, by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? That's a mistake. Okay? That's a mistake. And the Lord's been dealing with him for chapter after chapter. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from his people, and he ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew uh, like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored him. Look at this. I praised the Most High. I honored him, and I glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and my nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Blessed be the reading of his word. Now I, listen, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify, not Marduk, the king of heaven, because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Could we praise God for his word and his power? Hallelujah. 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 The title of my message today is Consecration Leads to Proclamation. Consecration leads to proclamation. If we are close to God, he will strategically position us to proclaim his word and his truth his love, and his glory. If we're close to God, things will happen strategically. God has a plan. How many know we have a role to play? And God has a mighty plan for our lives. And in these dark days, how many would agree that we need to preach the gospel? Matthew 28, 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to share Christ, and people are supposed to turn to Christ and get baptized. That's why we have the class. That's why we're doing this, because we are fulfilling the Great Commission. And part of the challenge is 
Proclamation requires consecration because when you get close to God, not only are you led by God, but you get the courage that you need to speak for God. Okay? People who are close to God speak for God. People who are not close to God, they just, they just refrain. They just hold their peace. You see, if you're going to speak for the, for the invisible, sovereign, mighty king who is the ruler over all of the earth, how many know you better be close to him? See, and that's why consecration is so important because you have no idea what is going to happen when you leave here or should the Lord tarry tomorrow or the next day. You have no idea the strategic meeting that will take place. And so, again, this series has not really been about us, but more about what God is calling us to do for his glory. And how many know, you know, uh, you sharing the gospel uh, in this coming week, it may not get you a promotion, it may not make you richer, it may not do a lot of things for you, but on the day that you stand before God, his reward will be waiting for you. And how many of you know that's the reward that counts? How many would say amen? So I want to pray. Oh, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Help us, Lord. Father, we thank you for this day and this time. And I just pray that you help us to fix our eyes upon you. God, let the things of this world grow strangely dim, like we sang, oh God, last week. God, help us to lock into your will, your plan, your purposes. God, I pray for everyone, oh Lord, in this room, Lord, that you would speak an, an individual word, oh God. Help, oh God, by your mighty power, Lord, my feeble lips. I thank you and I praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. So let's look very quickly. Proclamation is a main part of our purpose us sharing, us speaking the truth in love, strategically positioned by God. That is a call for every single believer. Um, and uh, let's look at what this passage teaches us about this role in, in proclamation. First of all, the first thing that it teaches us is that God is dealing with people more than we realize. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. He says, I had a dream that made me afraid. How many know it doesn't matter what kind of palace someone lives in? It doesn't matter how separated they are. They could be on a mountain. They can be in a cave. They can be, uh, 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 when, when I was uh, 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 a young man in, in um, my, my uh, kind of early, early 20s, maybe 19, we went and we shared the gospel with people literally in the train tracks Underground, we shared the gospel with people, and people got saved underground. How many know there's no place that people can hide from the loving, reaching spirit of the Most High God? And God is dealing with people more than we realize. Jesus himself talked about the Holy Spirit. Look at what he said uh, uh, in, um, in John 16. Look at what he says. It says, when he comes, he meaning the Holy Spirit, okay, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Who does the convicting? Who does the working? It's the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is dealing with people more than we realize. A lot of times we take for granted what God is doing. But brothers and sisters, God is at work. And how many know God is at work today? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, Elvis Presley had a backup singer in his band who was the son of a preacher. And he was backslidden himself. But God began to deal with Elvis Presley. And, and Donnie Summer, uh, Sumner is the guy's name. And he said that Elvis came to him one day and said to him, look, you're the son of a preacher, aren't you? Yes, my daddy's a pastor. And, uh, and he said to him, well, why don't, could you tell me what it means to be saved? And so he told him what it meant to be saved. He said, to the best of my abilities, I told him what it meant to be saved. And I saw him start to reach out. And, and all of a sudden, at concerts, he would go to the piano sometimes and sing, How Great Thou Art. Right in the middle of concerts. Why was Elvis singing that? You know why Elvis was singing that? Because God was dealing with him. That's why he was singing that. How many know God is able to deal by his mighty power in ways that we don't understand? Listen to this. Listen to this. Okay? How many remember the Monica Lewinsky scandal? That was between 1995 and, 90, and, and 96. Okay? Now, in, let me get this straight here. In 2011, a presidential playlist was compiled of Bill Clinton's uh, 20 favorite songs. Two of the songs there were this, were In the Presence of Jehovah by Mickey Mangan and Take My Hand, Precious Lord by Mahalia Jackson. Now, he was so, he so loved this song that he actually had Mickey Mangan, which my in-laws knew her. So I remember on one of the occasions when he invited her to sing for him, okay, in 93 and in 97, she actually sang in the presence of Jehovah at some inaugural, inaugural event for President Clinton, okay? So sandwiched between the Monica Lewinsky scandal, okay, here's one of the things that was passing through the mind of President Clinton. Put up these words. I remember singing this. In the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace, troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence of the king. Leave that up for a second. We look on the side, we stand on the, we look at people's lives and we see all of these things and we, all, we shake our heads and, and, uh, uh, and we, we, we're like, oh, look at this, you know, what's this nation coming to? And, and yes, yes, obviously it's terrible for some kind of scandal like that to take place in the White House. But in the end, every person that's walking on this planet is a soul. Every person is a soul. And we need to be more sensitive to things that go higher than politi politics. Higher than the moment of now. We have no idea. In the presence of Jehovah, he's telling him, would you come into my presence? I will heal your sin-sick heart. How many know Jesus can reach anybody in this day and in this hour? Hallelujah. It could be an entertainer, it could be a politician, it could be an intellectual. I have to put this quote up for you. This is so powerful. In the 1920s, C.S. Lewis was one of the great minds 
of his time. He ended up becoming one of the great apologists, one of the great defenders of the faith. Okay, and he was an intellectual who mocked God, but he had other men around him. We don't have time to get, the, get into the whole story, but one of the people that witnessed to C.S. Lewis was J.R. Tolkien. How many like the Lord of the Rings? So J.R. Tolkien was one of the people that would talk to him about God and listen to what he testifies in Surprised by Joy. He says, you must picture me alone in that room in, in, Magdalene, in Magdalene or Magdalene. Night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted, even for a second from my uh, work, the steady, the unrelenting approach of him who I so earnestly desired not to meet. That which I greatly feared had at last come upon me. In the Trinity term of 1929, I gave in and I admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed, listen to this, perhaps that night, the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England. He didn't even want to get saved. How great is the love of God. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. How great is the love of God. He didn't even want God. But see, in the loving... God in his loving faithfulness kept reaching, kept reaching. Somebody wrote a poem about God in that same part of the world, and they called him the hound of heaven. How many have ever felt God pursuing you? He's just chasing you, chasing you. You're like, Lord, I don't know what to do, but you're just chasing me. I got to give in. How many know what I'm talking about? You see, listen, listen, you might be here today, and you're, and you're praying for someone Okay, and, and you, just because you don't see it doesn't mean that God isn't working. Because God is working, God is moving by his mighty power. How many of we got to lock up with God and keep praying and keep seeking God? Here's the, the last, I got to tell you this, this, this story real quickly. So um, a couple of weeks ago, one of our homegrown missionaries, Ben Struss, which we sent out uh, uh, two or three years ago, he emailed us a story about a Muslim who came to Chi Alpha, and he says, um, uh, I've been having an experience since 2012, and I need someone to explain it to me. He says, every time I sin, I see a vision of a cross, and I'm constantly visited by a man in white robes telling me, I am Jesus. And he went to Ben, and Ben got to speak to him, and he says, I want you to explain to me who he is. Okay, now, there's a book called um, Dreams and Visions. I've heard this so many times. And by the way, this is very consistent with Scripture, because not only did he appear to Nebuchadnezzar, but even the Apostle Paul in Damascus there in the Middle East. How many know how Paul got saved? The Lord appeared to him and gave him a special... Knock off the horse. Some people need special applications, right? And so in the book, in the book Dreams and Visions, the, 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 it, it's a, a, a missionary. He says Islam has a visitor. Jesus has arrived. And he says Jesus is introducing himself to Muslims, dozens of Islamic countries and countless Muslim cultures. Jesus is touching people one by one. He's reaching out to them. In other words, and, and when I, a, a number of years ago, when I went to this 
uh, conference in Turkey, and there was a, a report on what God is doing in the Middle East. Virtually every missionary that got up from different parts of the Middle East, uh, virtually every missionary told at least one story about how Jesus was just appearing to people in a village or even in a mosque. There was one, there was one story where in a mosque, the imam had a vision of God, and when he got up to speak, he started to say things about God and about Jesus, and he clapped his hands over his mouth, and he went over to a corner because he thought he was losing his mind. Jesus is on the move. God is working. How many would agree with me? How many have, have, ever, have ever been there? You, do, do you remember? Do you remember when, when the Spirit of God was dealing with you? You know, I remember being on a line, a lunch line. You know how I got saved? I got on the lunch line. This, I was on the back of the line. I walked there. And I was, I was like 15 years old. And I was, my name was in the newspaper every time I played. I was Al Toledo, the, the baseball sensation. And I got on the back of the line and I'm waiting. And a guy from the front of the line, he said, oh, there goes Toledo. Come, come to the front. Skip everyone. And I was a shy kid and I... I felt so embarrassed. So I walked to the front of the line because I, if, I, if I stayed there, it was going to take longer. So I just wanted to be done with it. I walked to the front of the line. I got my food, and I sat down. And when I sat down at that lunch table, I knew, wait a second. How could this really matter? All I'm doing is throwing a baseball. There has to be more to life than throwing a baseball. How could it be that I would be treated better than somebody else because I can throw a baseball? Something is not right. And all of a sudden, I started searching. God uses lunch pizza. <laughs> I don't get it. Do you have someone in your life that you're praying for? I felt distinctly. Take the hand of the person next to you right now. I'm not done with the message, but I want to pray. Maybe there's someone in your life. Maybe it's a, a child that's away from the Lord. Maybe it's family members. Maybe it's someone in your proximity. Maybe it's one of your coworkers. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you work, oh God, by your Spirit? Holy Spirit, would you convict men of sin? Would you convict them, oh God, of their unrighteousness, oh God? Convict them, oh God, by your love. Let the loving kindness flood their hearts and their souls. God, would you reach our children today, kids that are in college or in high school, God? God, be the hound of heaven. Don't let them go. Don't let them go, God. Reach to them. Work when we can't work. You're able to work. You are the mighty, sovereign God who's mighty to save, oh God. Get a hold of grandparents, get a hold of parents, get a hold of brothers and sisters, get a hold of neighbors. God, send revival to Chicago. God, wake up this city with the love of Jesus, we pray. Do it by your mighty power. Do it, we pray, and we won't stop praying. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Keep zeroing in in prayer because God is working. Secondly, very quickly, I just have two more quick, very brief points to make. The second thing that's important for us to understand is that God opens doors.
for proclamation. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. Skipping down, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence. Everyone say, I'm Daniel. That's right. You gotta believe. You gotta believe that this door is gonna open. It might, it might not be today, but tomorrow or the next day, this door is gonna open. God opens doors. God will bring you in. You know, I, was, I listened to Ravi Zacharias, who's a great speaker, great apologist. Ravi Zacharias almost um, committed suicide when he was a 17-year-old, and somebody came and read the Bible to him, and he gave his heart to the Lord. And he has spoken all over the world for God. Talk about incredible open doors. He's spoken at Harvard University and I think University of Chicago. He was invited to speak at the, at the Russian military uh, academy uh, uh, um, in Russia. I mean, even to the military leaders, God opens amazing doors. And, and for the consecrated ones, for the people that are close, listen to me, God has a door he wants to open for you. You are Daniel. You are Daniel. I am Daniel. And we need to be close to God so that when the time comes, how many want to have the word of the Lord when the time comes? Hallelujah. <laughs> Blessed be his name. Look at what it says in 1 Peter 3.15. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, to give, asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be ready. Always be prepared. It says, but do this with gentleness and respect. This is the word of God telling us to get ready for that door to be open. And then if the singers could come, we're going to close with this. Here's the last very important point. Okay, the last uh, uh, point in this passage is that the world pays more attention to proclamation when it flows from a life of consecration. You see, the reason you want to be close to God is because when you're close to God, people will listen to you. If you're not close to God, if you're exactly like the world, if you're, if you're doing exactly, if you're not separated, if you're continually being defiled by the king's food and the king's wine, you see where God is taking this book? This is powerful, guys. God is speaking to us. God is talking to us as a people in 2016. He's saying, come out from among them. Separate yourself from the world and the things of this world so that people could look at you and know that your life is different and know that you are close to someone that they don't know. When you are, it is so powerful. You see, people will listen. If you're just like them, you know, in, in, um, in the book of Genesis, Lot lived a worldly life. And when Lot went to testify, he was a Christian. He was a, a follower of God. You know, he believed in God, but he was so worldly. You can be a Christian, but be a worldly Christian. And when he went to testify to the people, they mocked him and made fun of him. He had no voice. This is real. Now, I want to I 
say that, um, that their modern-day Daniels do exist. And it, this just came up, ESPN 3030. How many know ESPN 3030? They uh, just did a, it, it came out in May, a 10-minute thing on a guy whose name was A.C. Green, okay? And they gave him the nickname. You know what his nickname was? Was the Iron Virgin, okay? And it's like a 12-minute thing, but I'm going to play, uh, uh, we, we redacted it a bit. I'm going to give you a three-minute video, and then we're going to pray. Look at this. When A.C. Green joined the L.A. Lakers, they were at their peak of stardom. Showtime. Back in those days, we were bigger than rock stars. If you put that Laker uniform on, Los Angeles is yours. What have you dreamt about you could have? Very hedonistic time. Very hedonistic time. So, see, come on and go out with us. He said, no, I won't go out with you guys, but I'll pray for you guys. So, <laughs> But even in his early days with the Lakers, it was obvious that he was, well, different. You know, he was a man of God. He carried his Bible with him all the time. Did you know he was a virgin when you drafted him? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We joked about how long it would last before he had sex. Whatever town you went to, Chicago, Detroit, New York, and there was this conga line of women just waiting. So you get a knock on your hotel room door. You look through the peephole, there's a half-naked woman who wants to come in. What do you do? I'll just start praying and saying prayers like super loud. <laughs> the champagne is flowing in the locker room of the NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers. AC's no set streak was going gangbusters. And while he changed teams over the years, another streak was taking place. He's played every game for 11 straight years because his mother and father went to work every day, period. The guy who does not curse but says, she whiz and doggone it, making history. A.C. Green had surgery on his thumb, missed three games, and then never missed another game again in his career, which I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that, that's an unbelievable feat. You know, he had his share of injuries that he just played through. Why miss? What was I supposed to sit out for or not play for? I didn't get hurt um, bad enough. Watch the forearm to the face of Green. He had to uh, retrieve a two. I don't think he got enough credit for it. But then again, he probably didn't want that anyway. He played 16 years and missed less than five games. Who's going to do that again? Being able to stay strong and not be broken and to still be able to stick to his guns, that to me is, is what uh, stands out the most. AC's Iron Man to us, and that's above and beyond anything any other player could do. <laughs> Amen. Everybody look up here. Praise God. There still are modern-day Daniels. People who say, I don't care about peer pressure. I don't care about what the world thinks about me. I love Jesus more than all of the stuff that this world offers. Okay? I don't know if you're old enough to remember that day with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson. These were the greats of the, still to this day, these are the greatest basketball players of all time. And you know what? He stood his ground. He kept his Bible in his hand. 
and he would not compromise. Now, no one knows this, but it was interesting. The newscaster, um, Scott, right? Stuart Scott, I know over time, he actually got sick and I had a bout with cancer. Um, I have, we have no idea what conversations offline um, could have done just between A.C. Green and Stuart Scott. You just never know. See, because when the pressure's on in people's lives, they start to raise their eyes. You see, they start to raise their eyes. And I want to pray today. Listen, and I'll close with this. Everyone should experience the joy of leading someone to Christ. Everyone. Okay? If, if you have not been part of leading someone to Christ, you are missing out on one of the greatest joys, one of the greatest gifts, you know, one of the most incredible blessings that you could actually experience while you're on the planet. You see? But the reason that people don't courageously proclaim the goodness of the Lord is because they're not close to him. That's why we never, we never, well, never, never is too strong of a word, but for the most part, you don't hear me saying, go share your faith, share your faith, share your faith. People don't share their faith because they ought to share their faith. People share their faith because they can't help but share their faith. Hallelujah. That's why we try to help you to get close to God, because when you get close to God and you're healthy, then it'll just flow right out of you. You can't help it. How many know when sometimes you get a hallelujah stuck inside of you, you got to let that thing out someplace, you know? Amen. God is good, you know? And uh, I want to pray today. I want to pray, and I want you to pray for the other services as well. Chicago needs revival. But revival begins with the church. Revival begins with his people. God doesn't need to revive the city. He needs to revive the church. And when the church wakes up and when the church stops being acting like the world and trying to be validated by this world, when the church just separates itself to God and gets close to Jesus, then his glorious spirit will flow in power through our lives and he will get all the glory. Let's lift our hands to him. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we offer our hearts to you today. God, if you could get a wicked king like Nebuchadnezzar to say, now I praise and glorify the king of heaven. God, you can do it for those that are around us. So, Father, I pray, Lord, I pray that you would release us Oh, God, to proclaim your word. Release us, God, as we walk out of this building. I pray for a supernatural, oh, God, ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. Guide us, direct us. Lord, so many of us are here because someone led us to you. Help us, Lord, to return the favor now. God, we thank you and we praise you for all these things in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said
Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and praise the Lord one more time. Hallelujah.